Hey guys, what's up? It's your boy, Old Man Harwood here, back from a long interlude that I apologize for. I have been doing all kinds of work, teaching, writing, child rearing, all kinds of things. I have lots of good stuff coming up for you guys, working very hard on the new fiction, and that is a big win for all of us. Today I'm here to drop an interview on you that I did recently with the guys from The Miscreant Hour. You can find them over at grindfactor.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to their website too. If you want to go over there and comment or just give them a shout, you can definitely do that. You can find out more about them uh, if you head over to Grind Factor. So I'm basically here just to introduce this interview to you guys. Uh, these guys are a little bit raw. They come with a few words that hopefully won't offend you. Um, but, you know, keep it locked. Keep your earphones on those kids. Put those earmuffs on your kids. I also want to let you know about an event that's coming up for those of you guys who are in the Bay Area. There is an event called Mystery Thriller Saturday coming up at Kepler's Bookstore. It's down in Menlo Park in the Palo Alto area. Um, it's Saturday, June 27th from 1 to 5 p.m. There are going to be two awesome panels. The first one, face-off between plotters and pantsers. Uh, I will not be on that one, but there are some great writers on there, including Steve Hawkinsmith, Kara Black, and Paul Draker, Janet Rudolph as well. And then I will be on a panel with David Corbett, Terry Shames, Lori King, and moderated by Keith Raffle, the man with the baseball hat. Just call him Keith or Kenny if you come down. My panel starts at 2.30 p.m. and it's called It's Not Me, Babe. There's going to be some trivia afterward. Anyway, check the show notes for more details. I hope I can see you at Kepler's. I'll be signing books for anyone who comes out. With no further ado, let's get into the interview. Thanks for listening. Glad that you're still around. We'll be back with more Crime Wave soon. And take care of yourselves. Stay criminal. The Miscreant Hour. Sometimes you need no one to put on your pants and leave. Yeah, just seriously, put your dick away and bounce. <laughs> Welcome to another episode. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us at the Mystery Now, courtesy of GoranFactor.com. It yeah. is Mr. Skag. And Mr. Blue. And uh, we would like to uh, welcome a great guest. Uh, today we have... We got a good one for you guys today. Seth Harwood Mr. is on the show. Seth Harwood. Author of um, some really kick-ass books, the uh, Jack Palm series, Jack Wakes Up, This is the End, and uh, his latest book, In Broad Daylight. Um, so we want to say what's up to Seth, and um, hope you guys enjoy the show. What's yeah. up, Seth? Hello, how's it going, guys? Really good. Good. Thank you for coming on the show. Nice to be here. I'm happy to be here. I haven't done one of these in a little while, so it's nice to get back on the uh, microphone. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, you're a pretty old-school podcaster yourself there. Yeah, back in the days. I started podcasting, like, 2006. Damn, yeah, that was when, like, podcasting was, like, just starting to become something that people really even yeah. knew what the fuck it was. Yeah, we were sort of fighting the battle of trying to convince people that it was something. Yeah. And, like, after a while, we were like, oh, whatever, like, NPR and all those guys will convince people. 
We just need to keep putting out our stuff. So we did that for a while. It was fun. Yeah. Good time. So you were talking about earlier, you said it's called the Hot Tub Podcast? Yeah, I used to have, I had a number of different podcasts, and basically I was podcasting all my fiction for a long time. And then I sort of ran out of everything that I had written, so I started doing interviews for a little while. Right. That's a really brilliant delivery method. Yeah, deliver a story like yeah, that. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Because I was going to tell it, but anybody who doesn't know, like that's kind of how you how you got, um, how you really got famous and really got out there, right? You weren't like traditionally published in the beginning. You just put your shit out uh, yourself through your podcast, like serialized version, right? And then people started kind of digging it and were into it, and then kind of snowballed from there. That's so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty cool way to do yeah. it. Right, I mean, I you know I used to have a long car ride, so I I could never picture myself like reading somebody's book on, on my computer or something. But yeah. I knew that like if I could get it to people in their cars, they might listen to it. Yeah, right. so that's yeah. the route that I went. People really started to dig it. So it was kind of just like a like an organic thing because I mean when we do the whole podcasting thing, obviously, and like one of the biggest questions for you is like, how did you get so many people to fucking listen to? to your shit you know it was just like a, was this like a random happen chance thing or like you actively went out there and promoted it or what well right before I came on the scene there was this website that started called patiobooks.com which yeah. is still doing a ton of fiction it's like all audiobooks <laughs> for free and right. I was really associated with them and they you know a lot of my fans and listeners came to me through that format Okay. I was able to get a little traction on there and people would notice. But right before I came on the scene, audiobooks started. Initially, it was like four guys were the only ones who were podcasting fiction. Yeah. It was uh, Scott Sigler, mm. Mark Jeffrey, um, T. Morris, and one other guy. I can't even remember who the other guy was. But basically, like there were these four guys who were podcasting and um, they had like a ton of listeners each because there was nothing else out there in the environment that was doing that. Yeah. So when I came on, I got a lot of help from Scott Stinger. Yeah, I've read some of his stuff. He's good. He basically had like 10,000 listeners mm. and he started telling them about my stuff and then they started coming over and checking it out. Cool. Yeah. That's pretty some trailblazing shit right there. Yeah, for real. You know? De- yeah, definitely. It's a pretty interesting way to go about doing it. And I think like you guys kind of like pioneered that shit so a lot more authors are doing it now you hear about it like more and more about people releasing their books in like a serialized format on a podcast or audiobook style but you know it's a yeah I don't hear about it at all I sort of fell out of the I mean it's hard to stay up with all that and like I kind of fell out of the mix and I know Scott is still podcasting like crazy his audience has just gone up and up and up yeah he must have a ton of people that listens yeah. to his stuff by now because if he started out with that many people... Crazy, too, but he also has, like, so much content that, like, yeah. people yeah. will be emailing him and listening to him, and, like, you know, it'll take them a long time to get through all of his stuff. Right. So, for people to get up to his current stuff, it can take a really long time. Yeah, it's gotta be hard to know where to start. All my stuff is on a website, is on is on Libsyn hosting. So, basically, like, you know... I have a ton of content on there, and I'm still paying them like five bucks a month to host that. And I'm like, yeah. I thought that at some point I could just stop paying you and you would still host. And they're like, no, no, you gotta. <laughs> fuck. Greedy fuckers. I, like, I, and I don't want to like shift all that stuff to other hosting. A lot of it is on patio books anyway. So yeah. soon I need to cut the cord with Libsyn and just like take a yeah. lot of that stuff down. I don't even know like how much. I mean, 
crazy thing though is that last time I looked, people were still downloading the old stuff. It would still get like you know, a couple thousand downloads a month. Yeah, that ain't bad. So it was so it, it feels kind of weird, but you know it's definitely out there. It's still getting traction. People are still listening to the stuff. I think, you know, last time you and I spoke a little bit, you were saying that you found my stuff on Amazon. Yeah. I still feel like there's a lot of people that are finding my stuff through the podcast world and then hopefully going out and purchasing the books as well to support the work. Yeah, that's kind of how how I feel. Because I personally, like, I, I knew that you were doing the... Uh the you know the podcasting and releasing like your books that way but i've always just liked reading more traditional rounds so i'm like okay yeah i know he's doing that but fuck it like i'd rather yeah. buy the book anyway just because i i would rather read you an actual the, book you know what i mean like the smell of the pages yeah you know i like i'm super old school like that I like yeah i like to smell the pages i like, like the, the feel holding, of it yeah I like the hard <laughs> <laughs> my co-host is getting excited i mentioned hard things in my hand he's such yeah. a fucking faggot wow yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, so I so I so I found your your shit on Amazon and ordered the actual the actual um, paperback and um, I listened to the audio stuff too because you do the you do actually you would read it right so it was your voice. Yeah, and yeah. I wound up like I sort of backed my way into it. I just started reading the book and I was doing like a, a male voice and a female voice, and then like all of a sudden there's like five Czech dudes or something, and I had yeah. to like. <laughs> basically come up with all these different varieties of my Schwarzenegger impersonation. Yeah, well at least you went for it. Like a lot of people when they do when you when you when you hear an audiobook they have like the same voice throughout the whole yeah, thing. It's yeah. like so monotone and boring. The thing is you got yeah, I mean you just I don't think I was good, but people liked it, but like the main important thing is that you just have to be able to let people know when the characters change, you know? Like if each yeah, one kind of yeah, has yeah. his own voice. Yeah. And that really helps people when they're listening. Yeah, otherwise you can't keep up. As long as the effort talking. is there, yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah, I was trying, and I, you know, you got to be able to laugh about it too. Like I definitely didn't think that my Czech voices were any good, but <laughs> there was definitely an element of humor in there too that I think people liked. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um, so how many how many books do you have out right now? Because for anyone who doesn't who isn't listening, like mm-hmm. the, the biggest thing that. Um, is associated with you is your Jack Palm series, which is what I first started. And which you reading. all should check out. By yeah, the way. yeah, we're gonna post links to it on uh, on Grind Factor, um, all the different links to uh, to Amazon and stuff uh, and the books. And um, the first one is called Jack Wakes Up, which is a awesome book. Yep. Uh, that's the first thing I checked out for you. And then you have a sequel to that book, and then you have a third one out that's just not out in sequel paperback. To Jack Wakes Up is this is, is called This Is Life, right? And then there's kind of a prequel to those, which is called Young Junius. Yeah, I got that one too. Yeah, that was a character in Jack Wakes Up that you did, that you the people really liked, and then you started, you did a prequel just involving him, right? Yeah, so that was like his origin story. He's yeah. like 14 years old in that one. Yeah, that was a badass book. Yeah, that one, I'm really happy with that one. It's like, I sold less copies than anything else I've done, and like it's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, because you wrote in that book like like the slang, um, you know that like people would actually talk with. Like I've you know I've hung out a lot in those areas, <laughs> so yeah. like I know very well that uh, that dialect, you know that kind of like a voice, like like the slang, right. and you and you would write it like perfectly in you know uh, just like in the quotations of characters talking you're like right. you nailed like that slang down really perfectly so you're reading it on the page and like you just you would hear like right, it in your right, head right. of someone talking that exact same way and that kind of yeah I, so I guess I have to ask then does that come from personal experience or research 
personal experience absolutely i mean first of all i really appreciate you saying that you know like i put a lot of i mean that there was a lot of heart in the in the characters in that one and and sort of the dialogue really flowed from like people that i knew and you know it's interesting to hear you say that that it really rings true to you because i've even had people to come up to me and say like yeah, man, I knew people who talked exactly like this mm-hmm. in the 80s. And they're like, kids, they talk totally different. But in the 80s, like, that's exactly how people were talking there. Yeah. Yeah, it feels really good to know that I really hit it there. Because, I mean, you know, people look at me and they're like, well, you teach at this school and you teach at that school. Like, you're this tall white dude. Like, how did you get into all that? Yeah, well, you know about the street, right? <laughs> I was, yeah, I was definitely running with some of those angles for a little bit when I was coming up. Yeah. Just, you know, as a writer, I've just always been really fascinated by dialogue and how people talk. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like there's a certain... You know, if you watch a show like The Wire, like, that show is completely getting it. Yeah, yeah that was a yeah, great yeah, yeah. That was a great show. Yeah. yeah. And the book... Just, like, regional aspect of it. Yeah, I feel like it came out in the Boston Cambridge stuff that I wanted to represent. Right, that sort of has its own kind of thing. Yeah, well, was it who wrote the original uh, book? Uh, that book, Clockers. That the, it was like Richard Price or something like that. Who who wrote the book? Yeah, that that's they, Richard they, Price. Yeah, they based a wire off of. He in his dialogue was really like spot on too, um, where he would write, you know, like how they how they talk. Because some authors don't do that. You know, you'll kind of have to like they'll mention like. That someone is speaking in slang, but they won't actually write it in slang. You know what I mean? So you kind of have to put that in your head. You don't actually read it written in slang. Like, you know what I mean? They'll Mm -hmm. they'll spell like U, Y O U instead of like Y A with like an apostrophe. You know what I mean? So they won't won't write it that way. I'm a big fan, though, of not getting into the misspellings with it. Like, I really tried to avoid the misspellings with Young Junius. And if I was going to do it again, there's a couple things that I would change. Like, I didn't want to use Gunna. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Like G O N E. Yeah. So I used G O N E, and and I thought that kind of worked, but it seemed a little, it sounded a little southern in my head. But mm-hmm. anyway, I tried to avoid the misspellings because that was one of the big things that we talked about in graduate school, and that that I try to work with all my students. Like that slang, you know, the dialect is different than slang. Right. Once you get into the dialect and start misspelling things, then it could be kind of a slippery slope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. With that Scottish. Uh... Oh. Sh- that one is like all these Scottish. It's, uh, it's brutal. It's a while to get into it, mm-hmm. but once you really sort of get it, then you can hear the dialogue in your in your head. You yeah. can hear their slang, but it takes a while to sort of weed your way through that misspelling stuff. Yeah, yeah it's I definitely not natural. With just like the use of words and, and the diction, sort of the the arrangement of words, um, and so that you know, it might sometimes it might make it a little harder, but I think it works better. Yeah. And yeah, Richard Price completely. Like he's definitely one of my idols. Yeah, he's good. His writing is amazing. And one of the things that I know he does, um, similar to David Simon, the guy who was the producer, the director, writer of The Wire, mm-hmm. the main one. He uh, like both of those guys would just go hang out with these groups for a long time. So you know, I know that Richard Price probably spent a lot of time in Jersey City. Yeah. With the cops and with the cops in New York City, like hanging out and really getting to be around those people to hear how they talk. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm starting to do some of that with my newer writing that I'm working on. Mainly, you know, with Young Junius, that was just sort of like pulling it out of my childhood, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to write out about any um, 
heroin addict ex-cons, you could totally ask me, yeah. and I'll hook you up with all it's, the it's advice you big. need. Getting the seal approval from you is pretty big. Yeah, I or mean, if you have questions about alcoholic sex addicts, you can ask this guy. We have a 10-plus year veteran here <laughs> yeah. as a fucking low-life gutter trash piece of shit. Yeah, so I'm very familiar with it, which is why I totally love Jack Wakes Up. <laughs> I'm like, man, this I'm guy... i you came out of that. Yeah, yeah. So I, like, I, you know, I personally like, I like to read books about characters who are super flawed and and kind of like that that noir style like really gritty um style of writing i I have i read tons of books like that so which is why that's and that's how i found you i would literally search for like gritty crime writers blah 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 constantly until i found people's names and then i would check out some of their work and and then go back and forth and go to art to other authors who were related to them and then your name ended up popping up in one in those kind of searches and i started reading and i'm like oh cool this is you know it's another good one yeah there's yeah. drugs guns violence i'm in it's <laughs> yeah. all I need. The, for me like for a long time i was trying i was writing literary short stories and i really loved that but then, you know, everyone was saying, you got to write a novel, you got to write a novel. Mm-hmm. And so I just reached a point where I was like, yeah, shit, I, like I'm going to throw in drugs and guns and just run with it. And when I did, I started having a lot more fun on the page. I bet. Then, yeah. Yeah, I think readers responded to that as well. So what other guys are you reading? You're reading like Jim Thompson. Yeah, Jim Thompson. Um Joe Clifford is a new guy that I was telling you about. You should check out his work. Yeah, I'm always looking for like for really you know newer raw stuff. And I've read a lot of like you know obviously like Bukowski. He writes a lot of just like that misogynistic you know alcoholic uh, grit, which I love. Um, I'm always looking for new writers who are who are writing that and doing it like honestly. You know, a lot of people try to, but it doesn't come off as authentic in any way. So I can't really. I can't really mess with it if I don't feel it's it's realistic and, and raw, you know. So it's hard to find writers that are pulling that That's off. That's how I am with my comedy. If if it doesn't feel honest, I can't get into it. Yeah, know? yeah. Honest, honesty and re- realism is important. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to do uh, in the newer stuff that I'm doing. I'm doing more. You know, the thing is, like when I first started writing the Jack Wakes Up stuff, Jack Palms being the main character, I was really feeling like you know, in the old days. We had these private eyes like Sam Spade and mm-hmm. Marlowe, who like were a little bit flawed. Actually, kind of really flawed, but they looked pretty clean from the outside. Like they had the suit and the big uh, mm. jaw and all that. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I just thought, sort of as a reflection of our times, you look at characters like Tony Soprano mm-hmm. or even Dexter. Like if these mm-hmm. are going to be our heroes, we have to have like guys in the middle of it who are flawed. And so you know, Jack is dealing with addiction issues. Yeah. And the stuff that I'm writing now, uh, I'm definitely writing more stuff on the like procedural side. Like my 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 latest book is called In Broad Daylight, and it really features a female FBI agent who's chasing after a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And so the the thing that's been kind of hard for me is like you know I I sort of that authenticity of kind of like the dirty side. Right. I feel comfortable with, and I can really go with that. the The challenge that I've been having lately is really making these these detectives or um, right now I'm working on a book with a homicide detective in it, really making those guys authentic. And so I've been, I've been working to get to know people like that. And it's interesting. It's definitely interesting, but there's definitely sort of a, a, a line to walk or sort of like <clears throat> a challenge of sort of just pulling from stuff that you know and grew up with right? versus like stuff that you have to go out and find out about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't have experienced everything, so there's obviously going to be like a level of things that you have to 
kind of uh, learn as you go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like I'm, I want to write about this. This is the character I want to have at the center of things. This is how I want the story to go. And then it's like, okay, well, I need to go out and find out what that's like. Yeah. Do you think it's what do you think is easier, like that, or or do you think is harder that style of writing where you actually have to do like research on stuff because you're writing about something real or like full on like fantasy that is just like total bullshit and like you just make everything up as you go like these guys and girls who create these entire like fantasy worlds and nothing is based in reality at all you know what i mean so I mean, what research can you really do about something like that you know yeah i mean you gotta cook up a whole bunch of crazy shit if you're writing that second route you really gotta like hold it all in your head come yeah. up with all these crazy ideas right you can come up with that while you're writing it like as you continue to write it, something like that can grow and grow. Mm-hmm. Me, what's difficult is, is to sort of insert myself into that world of other people, like insert myself into the world of uh, San Francisco police, yeah. not really knowing fully what's going on with them, but like sort of knowing a bit and then making up the rest. And then sometimes it's tricky because you, you keep learning and you keep talking to these people and finding out more then sometimes you find out too much and you're like, oh shit, like that whole thing that I did wasn't right. And you know that readers aren't going to call you on it. Like the majority of readers don't care or don't know yeah, enough yeah. to know that it's not quite right. Right, they don't know any better. And like you find out too much and you're like, oh man, I got to go back and fix that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just small stuff, but sometimes it's big. So, you know, the thing about that like Richard Price and uh, David Simon would do is that they would just like go for a long time and just do research, like just ride around with the police for a year. And for me, like, I guess I'd, I would like to try that, but I haven't really been able to just like bite the bullet and, and get out there yeah, and really do that. Like, in. I feel like I, I'd sort of chain myself to my writing desk and I feel like, you know, on a good day, like I got to be at the desk. I've got to be writing. Mm-hmm. I've got to be doing that stuff. Maybe as I get older, uh, and ideally, as I get a little more successful, I'll be able to step away from the desk more and kind of take a breath and, and just kind of go live in those other worlds and, and absorb them a bit. Yeah, and then go back to the table. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, but for now, basically, I'm just like sort of doing both. Yeah, yeah. going into those worlds a little bit and then trying to write it, and, and also trying to figure out like how much do people really need to know? Like in the In Broad Daylight book was about FBI agents in Alaska and I had visited Alaska and really sort of took note of all the different places that I wanted to set the story in but I didn't know much about being an FBI agent right and it's funny it's like you know that's the thing that nobody questions like nobody really worries about what it's like because you know everybody's used to watching this stuff on TV mm-hmm. yeah. and TV are wrong all over the place right, you right. actually talk to these, accurate, these officers yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you know some of it from being in the system a bit sure absolutely like, shows get it wrong all over the place yeah big time so if you can just sort of gloss it up a bit or glam it up then people like that yeah 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 that's a good point yeah there's just there's definitely like a certain amount of leeway that you that you're you're given where most people have no clue you know what i mean so you can kind of get it get it past them i guess it depends like the kind of audience you're writing for like the general mainstream you know public they don't have any real idea like yeah. the inner workings of a lot of these worlds and they don't really even care they to just know, want to hear know? an entertaining story I'm yeah sure. they, if it's good like oh you know it, yeah exactly mm. like you know with me you know i actually i go out of my way to like read stuff that's super gritty but that's stuff that most people would not like it all because it's it's not you know it's too realistic you know what i mean and um but that's what i personally like as a reader you know what i mean but i understand that a lot of mainstream public 
doesn't like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it feels like I'm talking about Richard Price a lot, but like he's really one of the guys where I just, you know, I read his latest book and it's like he just has it. Like he, like he just gives you the voice of a New York City cop. You're like, this is absolutely, this is exactly what the job is like. This yeah, he's is the voice it. of that job. Yeah, yeah, he's super believable. Is yeah, that and, and you know that's not everybody's audience. I think I think it's great, and and he certainly does well. Um, then you look at somebody else. I mean, I started reading a um, James Patterson book because I wanted to see what he was doing. And, mm-hmm. You know, that's something totally different. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Way more mainstream, like a uh, broad genre type stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like an episode of Law and Order. Yeah, that's four hundred page book. Right. At a certain point, I'm like, okay, let's just get to the punchline here. Like, yeah. who did? What's the deal? And then I, you, at that point, I just skimmed. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely a huge audience for that kind of stuff. So I guess, yeah. you know, in trying to be more financially successful as an author, I've been trying to figure that stuff out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like that golden formula of like how to, how to still stay true to like what you want to write. But then, I mean, like I'm a musician, so I go through the same kind of thing with like music where, okay, I want to write something and write songs that are like I think are really good and original and unique. But at the same time, I want to write something that's catchy and that people will like so you kind of have to i think in any art you have to walk that line between what's commercially successful and like commercial commercially appealing and what you want to do and often those aren't quite the same thing but you kind of have to figure it out you know like what that magic formula is that people like right. you know and with books at the same time there's part of me that's like you know what like if you just tell me what you want me to write someone's gonna buy it i will write i just i mean i just love writing and being at the desk yeah like i love to create my own thing so i got this assignment to write a vonnegut book and i you know i really like vonnegut's work i Mm -hmm. read him when i was younger i thought he was great and so i was meeting with these people from amazon and they had this um they were doing this amazon worlds thing which was kind of like fan fiction but you couldn't say fan fiction because that's a dirty word and so they were doing like (laughs) all these really marketable things like pretty little liars and vampire or something and this thing and that <laughs> for some reason they got the Vonnegut rights. And they wanted to have Vonnegut world and nobody was doing it. So they're like, all right, we'll pay you this amount to write something in Vonnegut. And I was like, all right, fuck yeah. So I just like went in and cranked this book out and, um, you know, I swear by it. Like it was a great writing experience for me. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it was great to just sit down at the desk every day and be like, all right, if I can crack out this many words, it's this much money. And, uh, it felt great. But I, you know, I think that what came out of that process, partly because I can connect with Vonnegut, but mm-hmm. I might've been able to do that with any kind of piece. But yeah, I mean, what came out of that, I think was really true to my heart. Like it dealt with, um, September 11th and part of, you know, being a writer and living in San Francisco. You can, know, race- can people can people read that? Where is that? What can people read that, or where is that? That's people where. can read that. Nobody fucking reads it. I mean, nobody reads it. <laughs> people can read it. It's <laughs> out there on um, it's on Amazon. Like they, it's on Amazon for sale on Kindle. Oh, and um, I got a couple paper copies here. I'll send you a paper copy, or I'll show you where you can get one. But yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, like it's cool. I'm happy with it. Like it talks, it enabled me to talk about what it's like to be a father and you know, just trying out Vonnegut's crazy stuff that he does. Yeah. It was interesting to sort of experiment in metafiction and stuff like that. 
So in that respect, like they were just like, this is what you should do. And I just kind of did it and ran with it. You know, the convert, the, the opposite is like, nobody wants to just be like, yeah, I'm just cranking this stuff out. It's not, it doesn't have my heart in it. But at the same time, it's like, if someone tells me sort of the parameters and I'm writing it, a lot of my heart is going to go into it either way. Yeah, it was like in this fall, I had written a book last summer with Jack, Jack Palms in it. Mm-hmm. And it was like him going after this crazy mythical pair of Air Jordan game-worn sneakers. <laughs> Sweet. And I was like, this is the fucking book. This is the one. I love this thing. I think this is going to be the greatest thing anybody's ever written. <laughs> I was like calling it the Maltese Jordans. <laughs> Sweet. Throwing in all kinds of like crazy basketball references and yeah. jokes and you know, just crazy stuff going on, like Hawaiian meth dealers, like trying to smuggle these Jordans into New York City to sell them. And <laughs> there are celebrities in it. It was it was good stuff. It's good. And so I brought it to my editor and I was like, mm-hmm. all right, here's the two projects that I have. There's this one that I started a couple of years ago, which I would like to finish after I finish this Jordans thing. And then there's the Jordans thing, which I think is the greatest book of all time. And she's like, <laughs> yeah. We want the other one. Like, oh, God. One sounds really good to us. That's Like, stepping back from it a little bit, I think it's more marketable. Um, and now working on it and writing it for an extended period, like, I, I think it's good. I'm making it good. I can make yeah. it good. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also really excited to finish it and get back to the sneakers one. Right. Does that really, does that really piss you off, though, that they didn't really want the other one first, the Jordan one? No, I mean, I understand why they did it, and it's like, or I understand why they make their decisions. I mean, they know who their audience is. They right. know who owns Kindles and who's buying books on Kindles. Yeah. And so for them to say, like, this is our audience. These are the kind of books that do well. This book that you have here falls into those categories. This one doesn't. Like, I'm still going to do the other one and put it out one way or another with some publisher. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, maybe it'll be like Young Junius and I'll talk to you or I'll talk to some guy like you in a couple of years and they'll be like, yeah, that book was the shit. Mm-hmm. And I you know, I know guys who will love that book. And, and a guy that I work with who's done some editing on it loved it. And, you know, he's a basketball head. I've done the research on the sneakers and really started to be a, started to become a bit of a sneaker head here. And it's like, um, you know, I know those worlds are out there and people in those worlds will appreciate this if they ever get their hands on it. Yeah. But then you know, there's another world out there that there really is looking to buy books and people in the industry are like sneakerheads, man. A, I don't know how many sneakerheads are out there and B, sneakerheads don't read books. <laughs> yeah, <they laughs> buy sneakers. Like someone would be like, oh, heroin addicts, they don't read books. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's that's true. They're that's basically true. Like defying the odds by reading books. Yeah. They're not, like nobody, no publisher wants to like bet against the odds. Right. So at a point, it's like, okay, I can do this and keep like working on this other job that pays, or I can write something that I think is going to pay. And at a certain point, it's like, you know, I used to just want to be a teacher and sort of like get sort of prizes and awards and stuff and like be really, really well regarded as a writer, but not make money. And now I'm like, Fuck it, like I want to make money. Yeah, let's yeah. make money. I want to, you. and yeah. I want to write books that sell. Yeah, and so in daylight has sold more than anything else that I've done. Um, and you know, it's popping up on other people's Amazons, but maybe it'll be a while before it pops up on yours. 
Right. It's right. a very different kind of book. Yeah, I remember reading. I always plan on because just anything that you write, I'm like, okay, well, if he puts out a book, like I'm gonna read it because I like his style. But then I read like the description for it, and I'm like, wow, like it sounds cool, but like I could tell it was like it sounded way more um, like commercially viable. Like 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 I felt like a book that way more people could get into. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's probably why it's doing it's it's doing so well. You know, which is cool. I have to Crazy pick that thing, up. Though, is that I was reading. Um I read those Steve Larson books a few summers ago, like 2010. You yeah. know, the girl with the dragon tattoo and all right. that. Yeah, those are good. Those are fucking dark. Those are some dark, dirty books. Mm-hmm. Those things have sold like crazy. Like, there's crazy shit that happens in those. Yeah, rape scenes and all kinds of wacky shit. Sex that's totally unbelievable and yeah. like all kinds of violence and stuff. And people love that shit. I know. Yeah, those books sold like crazy. I, I would figure that people. Crazy like, I think bastard. you were kind of saying it before that people usually probably only want to get so deep with that stuff. They don't want their stomach to get upset Yeah, but then, when reading something like that. Yeah, know? but then, then every once in a while, like books like that come along that so, like, are super dark and super brutal, and people do eat them up. You know what yeah, I mean? It's kind yeah. of weird. Never- it. So I started really thinking about what was going on with that, and I think a large part of it is like, uh, you know, the female character in that was really powerful, and I think that really turned people on. Like, if there's violence and it's happening at the hands of a woman... I think also, like, as a society, like, I, I'm kind of bored with, like, seeing dudes beat, beat up other dudes or, like, seeing <laughs> yeah. guys beat up women. Like, mm-hmm. I'm over it. Yeah. I, I love that show, True Detective. Yeah, that's a great that was show. One of the best things I've seen in a long time. I'm sure you guys have seen that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that was I can't wait. The second season yeah. is coming out pretty soon. This looks, looks really good, too. Totally yeah, different. But cast. when I first started watching that, I was like, you know what? I mean, this is another thing where it's like you've got a girl that's killed, and and some of my stuff features, you know, in broad daylight has girls getting killed by this dude, mm-hmm. and and you know, looking at it now, like from a little bit later and a bit of a remove, it's like, man, like you know, violence towards women being what it is, but like the female uh, murder victim. Uh, yeah, I just feel like we've done that so much. So I want to mm-hmm. try some different things for a little while. Yeah. One that I'm writing now has a female homicide detective. But she, um, the dude that that people is killing all these guys in San Francisco that, um, uh-oh, uh, sorry. Uh, the guy that she is, um, sort of tracking or the guy that is committing the crimes in this is killing um, men who basically pay prostitutes to let them beat them up. Oh. So like there's a bit of an SNM scene in San Francisco where people will um, you know pay to like do some SNM on prostitutes. Yeah. Now the guy is like killing the Johns in that community. Oh shit. So that's what I've been interested in. Wait, is that, a, is that a sequel to In Broad Daylight or different? What? Is that a sequel to In Broad Daylight or a totally different book? Different character. Okay. For a while, I was looking at it as a possible sequel to In Broad Daylight, but the voice of this character is just very different. Like, she's... she's. I mean, there's a big difference between the way that FBI agents and uh, homicide detectives, I think, carry themselves and think. Yeah. And so this character's voice was like... She's fucking. She's a police officer. Yeah. yeah. So, are you like? Are you traditionally published right now, or how did that? 
like what's going on with that like you don't still you're not still self-publishing your shit are you or you got picked up at some point by like um, a big publisher the only book that i self-published actually was this is life like after after i started podcasting jack wakes up got picked up by a small publisher Mm -hmm. and then we kicked ass on amazon with that so uh three rivers press which so then i got an agent New York, and then Three Rivers Press, which is part of a brand. Yeah, it's a Random House, right? Yeah. What? Yeah, that's a Random House division, right? Yeah, Three Rivers Press, part of Random House. They bought it and put out Jack Wakes Up like a year later, and then you know they were really gung ho for sales. They're like, "What kind of sales can you do?" But they weren't doing a lot to drive the sales, so they were just kind of looking at me like, "Okay, do some mat, like go on the internet and." <laughs> yeah. Sell five thousand books, and I was like, "What the fuck?" So um, then I did Young Junius with Tyrus Books, which is a small independent that I worked with. Mm-hmm. Who actually, that was the first opportunity I had to work with Allison Jansen, who I now work with at Thomas and Mercer, which is um, basically the crime and mystery imprint at Amazon. Sweet. So within Amazon Publishing, they're like. They have publishing houses now at Amazon. Yeah. It doesn't involve self-publishing at all. Like, it's a full publishing house. Right. With access to everything at Amazon. So, they, I mean, they really have the ability to put power behind a book mm-hmm. and sell copies of it. So, so that's who I'm working with. That's cool. I'm really happy to be working nice. with them. Because I, I don't see anyone else in the publishing industry right now who, you know, there are companies in New York that will publish, like, you know, they might have like one in 20 or one in 15 books that they decide to publish that they're going to throw a lot of money behind. Yeah. And they're going to like really crank up the advertisements and everything and like, you know, really trying to get it done. But all the other books, they're not putting a lot of money behind. And so, you know, I just don't see that method working. And so with Amazon, you know, some of it is them having money to put behind the books, but some of it is just like them being internal and being able to do these ads and different kind of promotions. Yeah. Um, that I think really works and, and sells copies. That's cool. I mean, they have access to Kindle and like nobody, I mean, Random House doesn't have a proprietary device that people are reading on. I mean, even Apple, like there's way more people reading on Kindles than on iPads. That's true. And Apple yeah. is publishing. So for Amazon to be involved in the publishing process like there's just so much more that they can do yeah they have That's a huge, huge leg up right, on the, yeah. Yeah, just automatically being having kindle users right right there yeah distribution promotion people can buy it anywhere and you know just wherever you are you open up your kindle right, there's yeah. an ad on it yep they can make that an ad for your book and it doesn't cost them a lot of money because they're the ones it's the same company yeah yeah, exactly. You love Kindles, right? You oh, read on Kindle. I love my I don't, Kindle. I don't. Seth, do you read on a Kindle? Like, I'm still really old school with books. I don't have a Kindle. Or I have. I just have stacks of fucking books in my place. But um, I haven't made this. I haven't crossed over yet. I read both, and um, one of the things that I really started to like about Kindle was that you know there were big books that like you look at a certain book in a bookstore, and that thing is big. Yeah. I want to carry it around. Mm-hmm. I know I can't like get comfortable with it in bed. Yeah, and like so, there were certain books that I knew I would never like. I wanted to read a biography of James Joyce at some point. I was carrying that thing around New York when I lived there. I was never, and I would never finish it. And then the, a copy of uh, Raymond Carver biography came out. It was like eight hundred pages, and I just had it on the Kindle. There's no problem to read. So there's some advantages to the Kindle, and I started getting into it. And now, 
you know, like I've got an office here in San Francisco and I've got my house and my office is basically like three bookshelves full of books. And it's like, you know, if I'm going to go away and give up this office for a while, it's going to be a pain in the ass to box up those books yeah. and put a stick them somewhere. Yeah, that's true. I'm at that age now where I'm just like thinking about stuff like that occurs to me. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I have, I live in California now. I've lived in Boston, Iowa, and back and forth in between those places. And it's like, I have books that I've carted across the country like two, three times in boxes. And now I'm just like, I mean, the book, there's a book today that I was going to buy by a friend of mine. I think it's a great book. I want to read it. And I, you know, I'm seriously debating, like, do I get the Kindle copy or do I buy the hardcover? The difference in price is like five bucks on Amazon. Yeah. I only buy books at Amazon now because independent bookstores aren't doing anything to push my book. So I'm like, fuck you guys. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll keep my eight bucks. Hell yeah. But, uh, but seriously, it's like, you know, I love this guy. I want to have his book. On some level, I want to have it on the shelf to show people. Right. But really, like, I just don't want any more shit. Like, at a certain <laughs> point, there was so much shit, and you're just carrying it around. I don't want any more shit. Yeah. 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 And they take up a lot that. of fucking space. Books take up a shitload of space. Yeah. Yeah. So the Kindle really appeals to me in that sense. Like, I can just buy something there. I don't have the physical thing to show for it, but I don't have to worry about doing anything with that physical. Like, it's not going to be, like, stuck on my night table three months from now. My wife is like, when are you going to clean off your night table? (laughs) Some shit like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, between both having, like, the regular versions of a book and the audio version, I I could just blow through books all the time. Yeah. So when I'm driving to work, I listen to the audio. When I'm home, maybe I read it. You know, I just love having both options like that. You know, yeah, it was pretty cool that that, that you have that audiobooks. Yeah, I, I just I started messing with those a few years ago where I would listen to them like in the car on the way to work or on the subway. And uh, but like I found like my mind like wanders and like I have a hard does, time yeah, like does focusing yeah. on them. Like Sometimes. when I'm reading, I can focus a lot more than when I'm listening to an audiobook. Like my mind will just fucking wander or like oh yeah. that's why I get, I get both lost like, staring at a girl's tits on the subway. Find the right book. Yeah. I find that I just stick with it. Right. Like if it's the right book, I'm in it, I'm good. Sometimes even a book that I love, like a reader on it will be terrible, and then that just kills her for me. But there's mm-hmm. the ones out there that are good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These, the guy, During the podcasting and patio books, I started listening to a lot of other guys' books, and some of them I could stick with, and you know, there were a lot that I couldn't. But the ones that I stuck with, or even podcasts that I would get into, like I'll listen to like NPR, Terry Gross, I mean, yeah, stuff like that. And it's like, you know, I'm into it. I like it. Yeah. Did you, uh, have you heard any of the audio versions of the like, Game of Thrones books? Do you read those? No. Because I, I fucking, I was li- like listening to the audio version and they made Tyrion sound like a, like an Irish hobbit voice in that kind of voice. And I fucking hated it. Is this just one guy doing all the voices? Yeah. There's like 50 made, fucking characters. He made Tyrion sound like an Irish, like little pipsqueak Irish voice and I just hated it because I, I guess I got so used to the show version of him yeah his, you know wrong voice the in the audio book yeah period English is badass and just hearing it like that I was like what the fuck yeah you know? so I had to stop listening to it yeah bad, bad voice will ruin it yeah. for you yeah I mean the guy who does Harry Potter like people love that but there's something about like as I get older I've come to realize that like there's some sort of steel trap in my head where it's like as soon as you throw like a dragon or dudes with swords <laughs> at ages at me. Yeah, you're over it. Type of fantasy or sci-fi. And I'll talk to people who I respect and they're like, 
oh, those Buffy the Vampire episodes are great. Or like, they'll talk about Game of Thrones or some Star Trek show. And I'm just like, Fuck I don't that. know what it is so about me. It's gay. Like, just the steel door just comes down. It's like, like nah. oh, Game of Thrones, blah, blah. People are like, that Battlestar Galactica that just came out is so, you got to watch it. And I'm like, literally lost me a Battlestar. And anything yeah. you said after that, great it is. I really appreciate And I'm never going to watch this. And that's a problem with me. Yeah. It's my, that's not your problem. That's my problem. Like, I have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, yeah. Like swords and dragons, fuck that. So even <laughs> Game of Thrones, like I don't, I don't engage. You can't do it, huh? Damn. I'm usually like that too with like Battlestar Galactica. I don't watch that shit, but I got into Game of Thrones. I, I actually got yeah, into that. Tons one. of people, do. yeah, I, yeah, I love that show. And that Everyone was, loves that show. Yeah, it's crazy. I was listening to a Jim Florentine's podcast, comedian. Yeah, and someone was asking me about the Game of Thrones. Like, no, I, I don't watch sword movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything involving swords. I used to watch them when I was a kid, and now, uh. Uh-uh. What do you got against swords? Is that some kind of weird fucking? Phobia? I, just, I just love the way you put it. It's so simple, but it's fantastic. You know, like if you put some swords into modern day, and you have ninjas or some shit, I'm all over that. That's cool. Yeah, you like expect me to go back to the days of chainmail and. Horses and shit. Oh, so it's a time period. So if someone had like a sword in New York City. If you like have these guys in England or like running around London now, like fucking people up with swords. That's cool. I would totally watch that. All right. So it's like it's really the fruity like medieval time period that that you don't like. Not the fact of a sword itself. I would totally read a book about a crazy guy with a sword running around Manhattan. Mm -hmm. That'd be badass. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Al Guthrie would probably. (laughs) Or a guy with a hammer. Yeah, that right. Did you hear about that dude? There's like a we have so many guys with hammers in New York. They just love well, running. He just around. got shot last week. They yeah, yeah. Hitting people with hammers. Yeah, and we've shit. had a. That's like that's not the first guy to run around the park hitting people no. with a fucking hammer. Nope, I don't think so. Hammers are cheap and accessible. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, but like, what about the mindset to do that? Like, it's it's crazy. Imagine you're just walking through the park and a guy comes out with you with a fucking hammer. Like Jesus, dude, talk about ruining someone's yeah. day. Yep. It's when you sweep the leg. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I'd be like, I'd be like, you crazy homeless fucker! I'm gonna beat the shit out of you with this yeah. fucking hammer. He's on PCP, and rips your face off, and yeah, he probably is. And then he eats it. Yeah, yeah, he's on bath salt, so he eats your fucking face. Oh, God, this damn sick it. world, man. Dude, yeah, it is shit. fucking sick. Now, now that we were talking about, I'm gonna it, go yeah. back out into that world, guys. I gotta bust out in a minute. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, we've been it's been about an hour. Yeah, actually, so, it's been uh, a while, yeah. so yeah, you go go. I want to say I really appreciate you guys having me on. This is a good talk. I'll uh, I'll definitely put this up on my feeds to oh, let people great, listen yeah. to some of our yapping. Yeah, yeah, I'll appreciate that. Yeah, I'll send you the link and everything when it's all done. I'll, I'll you know I'll post some uh, links to your book and stuff on our site and uh, yeah, it will be good to go. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate yeah, man, appreciate it. it. Yeah, tell people about it. Absolutely. Word. Yeah, 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 we'll tweet it and uh, yeah, we'll spread the word for sure. Tell people what to read. Yeah, yeah I'm man. gonna like force people into into buying the books. Throughout you know, the threat of physical violence, if they don't, and they'll listen to me too. Like I don't nice. fuck around. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Let Vaughn get one too. Let me know what you think of that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right, guys. All right, uh, yeah, talk to me on email, and I'll, I'll tell you some other authors that might be willing to come on and chat. Cool. Yeah, I love yeah, it. All right, cool. Thanks, Seth. All right, take Thanks, care. Thanks, man. Later. All right. Okay, Sweet, man. That, that was, was that was cool. Yeah, uh, that was really cool. Uh, definitely want to thank him again for coming on. Yeah, that was really fun. That was that was awesome. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as I do. I don't know if there's any Seth Harwood fans out there currently right now listening, but uh, if you if you are, then you know how badass that yeah. that was. Um, and if you don't know any of his works, you should absolutely check him out. 
Yeah, definitely check him out. We'll put up links on the site and um, to uh, his his pages on Amazon and shit. And uh, we definitely encourage yeah. anybody who hasn't heard of him to check him out because um, his books are super sweet. Yeah, they're great. We're not. I'm not even. At least I'm not just saying that because he's on the show. I mean, they're actually. No, I wouldn't have had him on the show if I didn't think he was awesome. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't even bother. So, um, yeah, definitely. So uh, we want to thank you guys all again for listening. And um, as always, stay tuned next week. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And we'll catch you later. Until next time. Peace.